On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the Kansas-West Virginia game from Saturday and look ahead to the Kansas-Oklahoma game tonight. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. You can also hear the KU action there. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube or uh, any of the other spots for the audio version of it. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be recapping the Kansas-West Virginia game. I was out of town, so didn't get to do that on a show yesterday. And we're also going to look ahead to the Oklahoma game tonight. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Kansas takes down West Virginia on Saturday, 76 to 62. And uh, just capping off a huge week for Kansas because now you go into this week, you play two home games. Obviously, everybody in the Big 12 can beat you. So you don't just necessarily say, oh, for sure, we're going to win both. But you expect to win both. Uh, you know, typically in a given season, Kansas might lose one game at home in Outfield House. A lot of seasons, they're going to be undefeated. And, um, you know, even if they do lose a game, you're not ever expecting them to lose that game. So now you look at it and say, okay, well, you would hope they're going to be sitting 5-0 and headed into the following week, which sees a road visit to Manhattan with Kansas State. And it's, I, I, I don't know, like after watching the rest of play, like West Virginia is 0-3 now in Big 12 play. Texas Tech is 0-3 in Big 12 play. They just lost again at home. So maybe those are, are the two worst teams in the Big 12. It could shake out that way. And that that doesn't necessarily even have to be an indictment on those teams. It doesn't change the fact that both of those teams are still good basketball teams. Um, so if you if you just view it from the lens of you won on the road against a good team that you know is going to finish as a top 40, top 50 team in the country that could be an NCAA tournament bubble team, like that's great. But then if you view it as like, oh, is it that big of a week? You you beat possibly the two worst teams in the Big 12. Is it that big of a week? I would just say this. Even if those two teams end up being two of the worst or the two worst in the Big 12, we, we, we've we talked about this. The floor of the Big 12, and because of how good everyone is in the conference, whoever finishes last in the conference, probably still going to win, you know, five, six, maybe even seven games in Big 12 play and be a possible bubble NCAA tournament team. And, you know, I, I feel like you'd be kind of crazy to just assume that West Virginia and Texas Tech are not going to beat a lot of teams when they're playing at home. Like both those teams, you would expect to win at least six or seven of their home games this year. I don't know. Maybe that's too much, but at least five or six, like they're going to win a majority of them, which means a lot of teams are going to lose in Morgantown and in Lubbock this year. Maybe it's a little more challenging for Tech because they're already 0-2, but um, it's still impressive to go into those places and win, and they're still good teams. And so, you know, Honestly, at first, I thought this would be a huge opportunity to kind of step on the throats of every other Big 12 team this week because a lot of the other Big 12 title contenders would win or, or would not win at both of those arenas. So you were able to, to gain a, a step up. But honestly, Kansas State ended up having an even better week because they 
one at Texas and one at Baylor. So that's going to be, you know, maybe even tougher to do. Um, and maybe you would say they're in the driver's seat right now, just based on what you've accomplished. Obviously, Kansas still the projected favorite to win the league. And I don't even think Kansas is or Kansas State is second on those odds. Texas still second. I think TCU is third right now, and then K-State's fourth. Uh, but nonetheless, huge week for Kansas. For the game itself, you never really stress too bad. You, you kind of were in control the whole way through. There's a little bit of that period at the end of the first half where West Virginia starts mounting a comeback. They get it to a, a five-point game, and you're like, oh, man, you, you played a really good first half, and, and now you're going to kind of let it slip in the final moments here. But you hit a big shot, or I guess K.J. Adams hits two free throws after uh, the the weird kind of Jalen Wilson near shot clock violation thing. Um, so you go up seven, and then the second half, you just kind of pull away and, and stay pulled away. Uh, just continue to shoot really well from three-point land. That's been a consistent theme so far for this team this year. And you go back to the last game they played in the non-con before. They got into Big 12 play against Harvard. That game was kind of an outlier. Like, remember, Kansas was just missing open threes. They were they were not able to connect on three-point shots. If you remember in the game, the broadcast, they kept talking about how, you know, Harvard's playing a calculated risk. They're they're going to face guard Grady Dick. They're going to give space to everyone else and try to cut off driving lanes and say that, you know, if Jalen Wilson, Kevin Kohler, Dewan Harris, uh, whoever else coming off the bench, if you want to shoot a three, we're going to give it to you, and we're going to have to live with it because we can't try to stop everything. We're Harvard. We're not going to be able to, right? And KU didn't shoot well. But I, I sat there watching the game going, I don't know that this is a great strategy. Like, I, I don't think to this point this has been a bad three-point shooting team. Like, I get it. If if you take away Grady Dick, of course they're worse at three-point shooting. But, like, Jalen's still been a, a above-average three-point shooter. Kevin McCuller's been an average three-point shooter. Juan Harris has been a pretty good three-point shooter. And, and we saw even a progression of it, like, that was one thing we hadn't really seen. We've seen him be able to shoot off the catch where he's fully set. We saw a guy go under a screen in the West Virginia game, and he hits the three. He went three for six from three. Nice follow-up game from him. I think it's becoming pretty real, and, and you started to see the defense really uh, get out on him and, and stress to him on the defensive end of the ball. But just overall, another three-point shooting game. Obviously, having Grady Dick helps so much because even if he does get face guarded, it's going to open up spacing for the other players and, and that's really important for Kansas but you took care of the ball really well that was a team that forces a lot of turnovers you did a good job taking care of the basketball you had 13 turnovers I think I said before the game if you have 12 or 13 you're going to feel really good about where this is at if you have 18 or 20 that's where you get in the range where it's like oh no that's not ideal um you also had the same amount of offensive rebounds as them which that's another one of their strengths. Like they were one of the top 10 teams coming in in offensive rebound rate. And so if you almost neutralize that by what you did on the offensive glass, then great. You took away one of their strengths, essentially, basically both of them because of the lack of turnovers. And, and the defense was great, too. Uh, there was there were several stretches where you really held West Virginia down without a lot of points. Um, certainly West Virginia missed a lot of threes, but. I thought there was a lot of just overall good defense by Kansas inside and outside the lane. So just a great defensive game. And I know you might be saying, oh, but you know, West Virginia, that's just typical West Virginia. They don't play good offense. No, like a team coming in shooting the ball was was having a really good shooting season so far from two point and three point range. I'm not saying it's like one of the best offenses in the world, but like that was a top 40 offense. It was a top 30 offense coming into the game. I think they're ranked 28th on Ken Palm as of like Friday afternoon. Um, so, like, 
You did a really good job defensively. Just a good game overall. And, hey, Zach Clements made a shot. So if you're looking for X factor, when Zach Clements scores, Kansas wins 100% of the games. All right, we're going to get on to our goats of the game and then finish up with a KU Oklahoma preview. This episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want any of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. You can still do that, but you can also go to Walmart or Sam's Club. Just head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in. Grab a 13-bar box with the hip flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Go to the game for Kansas, West Virginia. We'll start with the good goats. You know, a reminder on this segment, now that we're into the new year 2023, I know we're a little into that uh good goat is the new age version of the word goat greatest of all time bad goat is how we used to say goat which basically was like your scapegoat like you messed up uh so good goats grady dick he uh scored 16 points in 26 minutes had to deal with foul trouble he went four of six from three five rebounds two assists his spacing so good and uh, again i just continue to be amazed every time when you, you look at there's a lot of times on the catch there's not like that much space for him to get off the shot or there's a guy closing out really quickly but because of just such the high release and how quick it is he's able to get it off and just splash it in and i mean he's able to kind of contort his body and like he can tilt back a little bit he can be to the i mean just unbelievable the start to his season absolutely has to be the best freshman shooter in the bill self era and uh i I don't know who else would be in that conversation. Like Ben McElmore is really good, but he's also redshirted the first year. So I don't know if that totally counts, but man, he's he's been unbelievable so far. Uh, KJ Adams gets a good goat of the game. 14 points, three rebounds, and you know just continues to score in double figures for a guy that coming into the year, we, we figured that would not really be the case that often. We thought that would be more of the albatross. I, I think maybe the most important thing and impactful thing because we saw in, in a few previous games leading up to this one, he's starting to hit that like push shot or uh, feel confident in taking that like elbow mid-range jumper. And you already noticed a couple times in the West Virginia game that Jimmy Bell or whoever was in at the center at the time was out there guarding him in the mid-range. Now, he did, you know, take, I think, a couple of those mid-range push shots. He hit one of them and missed another, I believe. I, I could have missed something else, but... um West Virginia was out there guarding him a few times. And where you found it to be most helpful, it's not just that you were able to pull a center out from the rim and, and maybe get yourself an open lane for somebody else or on a back cut, but it's also like the play where KJ Adams catches the pass. I, I think it was toward the end of the first half. And Jimmy Bell, the center, is out there guarding him like all the way toward the three point line. And it's not just because you're going, hey, he could get a mid range shot, but you've seen enough from KJ to be like, yeah, he can dribble and pass a little bit too because he's basically a wing in that regard. And he catches it, and he just immediately blows by the center, gets to the rim, and dunks it. That 
is so important as well. So even if somebody sags off you, you can use that ability. And we've seen that before where somebody sags off him and he uses that ability to kind of get a power up and take a dribble or two and get a little bit of a, a head of steam, take the contact through the center, but go into his body because he has that head of steam and, and try to finish over him with his strength or maybe get a foul. And it's just those plays that that he is such, I don't know, he's he's kind of expanded his offensive game so much from the start of the season to where it was, to where it is now. He was already so improved from last year to this year, and, and we've talked about this before, but his improvements from the start of the year to, to now are just leaps and bounds. And it seems like it continues to grow each and every game and each and every week, and, and I continue to be so impressed with what he does for this team. Uh, Jalen McCul- Wilson, I almost said Jalen McCuller, which I guess it would be for here. Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller rebounding. Now, it wasn't the greatest offensive game for either guy. Uh, Jalen ended up with 14 points. Kevin ended up in double figures, too. Both just went just 4 of 12 from the field, so it's kind of a grinded-out game for both, which, to be fair, I kind of thought it would be for Jalen when you look at the the size that West Virginia has in size, uh, inside. I think the common denominator for me is the games that – Jalen's going to shoot a little less efficiently, but still grind his way to a lot of points are the teams that have that size inside and don't allow him to kind of play bully ball on a smaller wing to the rim. Um, but combined those two guys, Jalen and Kevin had 22 rebounds. Jalen had 14. Kevin had eight of them. That was combined the 22 more than half of Kansas's total rebounding af- output. And we, we said earlier, Kansas did a good job sticking with West Virginia on the offensive glass. Who, it basically neutralized what West Virginia did there and became really, at that point, if you neutralize it, one of your strengths becomes just something that's, you know, normalized, right? And so to do that, it was mainly led by Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller. And we talk about all the time too, like with KJ, you know, the defensive rebounding or, or the lack thereof can be fine as long as you have other wings stepping up and grabbing those rebounds. And, and that's what Jalen and Kevin have done so many times this season. They did it again in a rugged game against West Virginia. Uh, bench combination of Joe Yesfu and Bobby Pettiford. You put them together. They played about, I think it was 34 minutes, had seven points, five rebounds, two assists, not overly gaudy numbers, but, you know, you, you did get a couple nice plays from them. They went three of six off the bench. Joe had the great rip through steel leading to the transition layup the other way. And both just looked to be in, in kind of control. The further we go in this thing and, and the more and more each game stacks up where MJ Rice doesn't play and Joe Yesfu has some sort of a role, even if it's a game where he only plays seven minutes versus a game like this where he plays double-digit minutes, continues to show you that, yes, Joe is in the the, the very clear leader in the clubhouse for being that second guard off the bench. And realistically, in a lot of these games, which we're already seeing right now, like you're only going to have one or two of those guards off the bench anyway. Um, So that continues to be kind of the case there. But I thought Joe has played pretty well so far this season. It it hasn't been like an outstanding start to the year, but there have been, I would say, I guess this would be the way to put it. There have been more games than not where he has come in and given you a solid, not like jump off the page impact coming off the bench and i thought that was how you would kind of describe his west virginia game uh the jump shooting slash free throw shooting so i guess just outside of the paint shooting for kansas against west virginia was really good they uh struggled a bit on two point shots which we'll get to that here in a second but they were 11 of 24 on threes they were 17 of 19 on free throws i mentioned the kj adams like mid-range shot the jump shooting, really good for Kansas against West Virginia. And the free throws specifically, that's been something this team has struggled with. West Virginia coming in was a team that fouls a lot of their opponents. 
we knew that would be the case and it happened again and Kansas really took advantage and, and converted a lot of those free throws onto the bad goats not a ton of them in a game where you win by you know 14 on the road in big 12 play the two-point shooting weirdly not good for Kansas in that game I don't know maybe not weirdly because West Virginia does sometimes pack the lane and Jimmy Bell's six foot ten, two hundred and like eighty-five pounds. They also have Trey Mitchell coming down there. Uh, and that's just, you know, they they play a physical style of basketball. Kansas went just 13 of 33 from two. That means they shot 39% on two-point shots. They shot 46% on three-point shots. So in a certain sense, if, if I don't know, lucky isn't the right term because I do think Kansas is a good three-point shooting team. And also if West Virginia was overemphasizing inside, which I think they were to a certain extent, you saw them still sagging off at times of Dewan Harris or Kevin McCuller or Jalen Wilson. And yes, you got a little bit of three-point lock, like the Kevin McCuller banked in three or the Jalen Wilson one that bobbed around the rim and then fell in. Um, but yeah, you're going to be looking to establish more two-point shooting. Also though, this team just kind of has to rely on that sometimes because you don't have the, the David McCormick or other past KU big man that you can throw to down on the block. The other bad goat is trying to figure out the center rotation behind KJ Adams. It's pretty clear KJ, obviously, is going to play, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, but Zuby, even though he's consistently kind of been the first big off the bench, it's like he'll come in for a three to five minute stretch and then he won't play again. And then it's been like a third center has just been a rotation of Zach Clements, Cam Martin. Really, mostly those two guys lately, but maybe every so every so often, Ernest Uday uh, for the same thing, like three to five minutes, and then the rest of the game, it's all KJ, and it's all KJ in the second half. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're at this point we're making too much of this because KJ's done a good enough job, and and at this point, Charlie, it hasn't really seemed to matter, but I would think it would certainly help if somebody figure that out. But again, if KJ's going to play 30 to 32 minutes a night, which him being kind of a wing type in terms of body – certainly allows him to do a little bit more than than maybe if you were, again, Jimmy Bell, who's like 285 pounds. Um, so just there's less opening for your backup centers anyway. But uh, that, I guess, just continues to be a storyline or, or lack thereof so far this season. All right, we're going to finish things up here with a preview of the Oklahoma game happening on Tuesday night for the Kansas basketball team with Locked on Jayhawks. Kansas takes on Oklahoma. It is, uh, last I saw, about a 10.5-point line in favor of Kansas and Oklahoma is uh, just like every other big 12 team. It seems like they're a near top 30 team on Ken Palm so far. They're 10 and five, one and two in big 12 play. They have an overtime win against Texas tech. That was at Texas tech in their most recent game. They lost twice, but they were by a combined four points against Texas and against Iowa state. So against two good teams, you lost by a combined four points. So this is a good team. Uh, they're top 50 on both ends of the floor. They're just balanced there. Porter Mosier, the head coach, I think he does a really good job. Uh, previously at Loyola, Chicago. They shoot the ball extremely well. Like, they, like very, very well. They're top 25 in the country in two-point percentage. They're top 25 in the country in three-point percentage. They get really good spacing. They're four and five man, which are the Groves brothers. People remember them from Eastern Washington. And then last year again at Oklahoma. They really stretch the floor at the four and five positions, which opens up driving lanes and cutting lanes for everything they want to do and, and get some easy twos with it. So they just they they shoot the ball real and it leads to them getting easy twos also. Um defensively, they've had elite three-point defense numbers, which we talk about this all the time. Could be a bit of luck, could be a bit of emphasis from the coach. Porter Mosier, I think, is a really smart coach. So I think it's probably a little bit of both there. Uh they've also been excellent at defensive rebounding. They 
make sure to secure that to secure the possession. The areas that they've struggled, they're bottom 30 in the country in offensive rebound rate. They turn it over too much. They don't go to the line, kind of a finesse offense. They get the ball stolen a lot, and they don't have great rim protection. They also don't turn other teams over. So basically, it's a, a kind of low-risk type of team. Um, they do certain things that challenge you, like the shooting, but you don't have to worry about them pressuring maybe too much. Now, something that scares me in this game, this is something we talked about a while ago because Kansas hasn't played another slow-paced team since, like, the battle for Atlantis. Like, they've played other teams that play slower. Like, Harvard will slow it down, but tempo-wise, they're closer to being, like, average, below average. It's been since the battle for Atlantis when they had Wisconsin where it was like they're playing a very slow team. Oklahoma is one of the slowest-paced teams in the entire country. That scares me because... You know, Kansas is better in transition than the half court, though they have gotten a lot better in the half court here over the last couple months since the battle for Atlantis. Um, but they're really going to make you, and, and we saw Wisconsin almost pull the upset on Kansas in that game. So that can be a little bit scary in a game where you're not able to get out in transition enough. Um, Oklahoma doesn't crash the offense glass like at all, and that's a reason why. It's like, they're, they might only send one guy at the offensive rebound so they can bring four back in transition to limit you in transition. So Kansas has to win the game in the half court. That combined with, for me, the recipe for teams to come in, it's not the full recipe, but one of the key ingredients has to be, if you're going to come in and Allen Fieldhouse and win the game or, or get near close to doing it, you have to have guys who can hit big shots for you. I know that sounds very simple. It's kind of stupid, but it's true because – Shot clock's winding down. The crowd is screaming. You have to not be bothered by that stuff and be able to hit big shots. So a lot of times we'll see teams come in and, and they're unbothered. And like if they, you know, like I think back to the Iowa State game like a handful of years ago. I think it was four years ago, maybe five now because we're in 2023. They come in and they just hit like every three-point shot and beat you. You have to be not afraid of the moment. Grant Sherfield gets like 20 points per game for them, former transfer from Nevada previously at Wichita State before that. Tanner Groves, we've seen him not be afraid of the moment in Allen Fieldhouse last year and against Kansas in the NCAA tournament at Eastern Washington. Those guys are the guys that can hit those big shots for them and make those key plays down the stretch, which make this a tough matchup combined with their tempo and, and the way they shoot the basketball. But because of the fact that they turn it over too much, you should be able to take advantage of that because you are you can be good at, at forcing turnovers. Because of the fact that... um. They don't have great rim protection. You should be able to, to get some twos at the other end, even in the half court. Um, they don't really turn you over a ton. So as long as you don't make internal mistakes, you should be okay there. All those reasons are why if Kansas plays their game, then they should be okay. But we also saw Oklahoma almost pull the upset last year in Allen Fieldhouse, and it took uh, some big minutes from Zach Clements. But the matchup of the game to me is KJ Adams versus Tanner Groves. Um. I, I don't know that this is a matchup where you can really double in the post. We've seen that a lot this season for Kansas. But this is a matchup because they have so much spacing and their big men can shoot, it might be tough to, to double in the post that it would leave somebody open. And if that's the case, and even if it's not, you're still going to see a lot of these matchups. K.J. Adams on Tanner Groves is a huge matchup. And whoever defends Grant Sherfield too, that's going to be pretty key. Um, I will say, by the way, if Grant Sherfield is on Grady Dick, as much of a great offensive player as Grant Sherfield is, 
Sherfield is not a good defender. So if he gets lost and Grady Dick, I expect him to have a big game. I would just say that like Grady Dick over points. I kind of like that bet. Um, but the KJ Adams Tanner Groves one is interesting because you have Tanner Groves, who's not very fleet of foot on the defensive end. And because KJ is not like a, a lurking big man who's just going to post up on him, KJ could be able to take advantage of that push shot in this game and of his dribbling and passing on the short roll stuff. I think that's something that Kansas really could exploit on Groves in this game. At the other end, Groves is going to have the size to try to go down low on KJ, but we know KJ is very strong. And if Groves, like the one thing that hurt you last year is Dave was more of like a drop coverage big man in terms of when he would be at his best would be either one-on-one in the post or dropping. And maybe you give up that open mid range shot. Um, Tanner Groves killed them with his outside shooting because that's not Dave's forte of getting out there. And when Zach Clements was able to come out for those big minutes and defend some of the gross three-point shots and outside shots, it's because he's kind of that stretch five as well. Well, KJ is very versatile. He should be able to defend that stretch five pretty well because of his athleticism and mobility. So that might actually be an okay matchup for Kansas in this game to, to kind of slow him down maybe more than we've seen Kansas be able to do in the past few years that they played him. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll recap the Oklahoma game on tomorrow's show. Uh, we also got to get to some of KU football's uh, recent pickups in the transfer portal. We'll do that on tomorrow's show. Thursday's show, we've got uh, a KU football 2022 season recap. And then uh, later this week, we'll, we'll preview the Iowa State game. If you want to talk about anything with the show or have a question hit us up at d johnson radio on twitter or on youtube in our comment section subscribe to the show wherever your podcasts or on youtube have a good rest of your day i'll see some of you on rock truck sports talk later today till then